0: the nearly 300 billion dollar natural products industry is swimming in innovation but which innovations will earn their place on the natural list
1: in this podcast we cover the hot products emerging trends and expert insights driving the future of cpg
2: taking sort of a, a category and just shifting it slightly to open up the conversation. Um, so I think it's it's really just, all, the innovation part is almost just that spark. If it lights something up, um, you know, you can really feel it. And I felt that in the room today when there was something innovative that everyone got a little bit more excited about.
1: In this episode, we tackle innovation, not just the new and novel products that make their way onto store shelves, but also what happens behind the scenes at companies using business as a force for good. Plus, we chat with Emily Cantor of Cambridge Naturals and Holly Adrian of The Kroger Company about the innovation journey for their vendors and customers. Adrian, hi! Hi, Jessica. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm
0: excited about the topic today, innovation.
1: Oh, so excited to talk about innovation. It's kind of the foundation of what we do in the natural products industry. I love this idea of innovation as really shaping our work and shaping the types of products that we see on store shelves, right?
0: Yeah. And I do think it's a word that gets tossed around a lot. So what I'm really looking for into this in this episode is to really dive into, you know, what is innovation in all of its forms or we may not have time for all of its forms, but in a, at least a couple of its forms. <laughs> yes,
1: totally. And, and while we, you know, I said a moment ago what makes its way onto store shelves, but it really is so much more than that. And I think as natural products start to become more mainstream and people are looking even more critically at the companies that are doing different things in the CPG industry, it's really important for us to continue to evolve our definition or the lens that we look at innovation through.
0: Absolutely, and you know, for me, one of the one of the big touch points on innovation is something that we see so clearly in the Nexty Awards, and then of course at Natural Products Expo West and East. Um, and we actually just wrapped up the Nexty Awards, and we're we're just about to head to Expo. So I, for one, I'm really looking forward to all the different things we're going to see on the show floor. Of course, we had more than 800 nominations for the Nexties, and Those innovations, it kind of ranged from bringing new ingredients to market to new ideas to the marketplace to really embracing things like innovative ways to do sustainable business or innovative business models. So we really kind of ran the gamut of of innovation in all of its forms. Yes,
1: I totally agree. And that idea of transformative business models, I think that's what we're starting to really hone in on and say, which companies are doing things that can truly have a positive impact on people and planet? Now, you mentioned Expo West. Yes, we are heading into Expo West. I was curious how many first-time exhibitors we will have there this year, because so many of these types of kind of industry-shaping ideas are coming from those really cutting cutting edge, emerging entrepreneurs, leading innovators. Anyways, let's play a little guessing game. (laughs) How many first-time exhibitors do you think we have this year?
0: Oh, well, I know that last time we had around 700, I want to say. And I think, I hope, I think it's more than that. So let's say 800, Is so that, close, am I yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> crazy.
1: 750 <laughs> first time exhibitors. Nice. That's really exciting because as we think about innovation, we also want to understand what does that mean for companies trying to launch new products, for companies trying to break in, break through. And we are seeing a lot of new companies there. So innovation is alive and well in its many forms, as you noted. And we're seeing new companies enter the space and also these great legacy companies that are continuing to evolve their business practices just as we are here at New Hope.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I always think about this going into the next season. Of course, I always go back to the nexties. But um, from year to year or addition to addition, I think, you know, how can it get better than this? You know, we, how are we going to see new things? I feel like I've been there, done that. And then, you know, especially for a lot of us on, on our New Hope team that have seen the nexties, you know, many, many times over, it always feels like, are we really going to top that? And I, I find it really inspiring and, and just fascinating how many innovations keep appearing in, in the CPG industry. I mean, we think about this market is already a very full market, but it's it's very full. And so for brands to come in with a cool new concept or idea or just a really great way of doing something in an innovative way, it's a really cool way to see, you know, what are what do brands care about and what do they think consumers care about?
1: Well, certainly brands are signaling that funding is a big challenge, and we do think that could realistically negatively impact innovation or the number of new products entering the market. Luckily, as I noted before, we're not really seeing that effect with the number of new companies, first-time exhibitors at the show. And we're also anticipating that this idea of inside-out innovation, or really the innovations that happen behind the scenes, as opposed to ones that do make their way onto store shelves, that those will continue. Continue to emerge, and that they'll really be more powerful and important than ever before. These are the business models that can really affect positive change, and ultimately that address true consumer needs. So, what is it that customers are asking for that they can't get their hands on, or historically haven't been able to to see from the CPG industry? Yeah, and you know that's much of what our two two of our next
0: two judges, Holly Adrian of the Kroger Company, and Emily Cantor of Cambridge Cambridge Naturals. They shared that when we talked with them the other day, and I found that their insights were just incredibly valuable. And they really, you know, dive into that understanding of what the consumer needs and filling that white space, and and how to really go about doing that in an intentional way, be it through an idea or a product or, you know, however they want to approach that.
1: I love Holly and Emily. I Weren't know they so, had great? so much
0: fun <laughs> with them. I kind of didn't want to stop. I just wanted to keep the conversation. Oh, we could have talked to them for five hours. We should have had a sleepover.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Do you think they'd be down for a slumber <laughs> party? I bet they would. It expo. <laughs> maybe exactly. It was very interesting to hear both of them, two very different retailers coming from very different backgrounds and perspectives, but to hear both of them talk about how innovation shows up in their stores and how brands should really be thinking about retail partnerships to support their innovation journey. They talked about how ultimately that can allow for the greatest reach and impact of these companies. And just the idea of innovation as a vehicle to drive access, that really stood out in these conversations. Well, hi, hey, Emily and Holly. How are you? Great. Yeah, really good. Oh, we're good. So you're in, in town for judging, next Nexty Judging, yep. which is the time to see all of the latest and greatest innovations in the natural products industry. How's it been?
2: It's been wonderful. I mean, I've been going to Expo pretty much my whole life, um, and it's really fun to be on the other side and see sort of how the sausage is made in choosing the Nexty winners.
3: I agree with Emily. now my whole life, just a matter of years, <laughs> and this has been a dream of mine, so um, I'd always admired what was found in the Nextys in terms of the finalists and who won, and uh, it is, it's a thrill to get to do it, so it's been great so far. Well,
0: and I don't want to give away any of the winners because we'll be announcing them at a later date on March 1st. But um, I thought our discussion today during the final judging was so fantastic. I mean, I loved having both of your points of view coming from different places in the industry, which actually at the end of the day, we had so many similarities. I mean, I think we were all really, really in this together. And I, and I just thought it was really wonderful to have so many different insights and, and people um, talking through these products. So it, it felt like a great session to me.
3: I actually agree. That was part of something I had hoped had, would happen. Mm-hmm. And it was so fun to not only um, use our collective experience, but to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. Very different, very different um, positions from everyone that was in the room. But it was amazing how the similarities, but the learning, I, I really, I learned a lot more. Um, about some of the certifications, a little bit more detail than I knew before.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I loved the collaborative aspect of the judging. I think in my head when I was imagining it, you know, we were all going to be sitting at a table, you know, not talking to each yeah. other, silently judging these things. <laughs> and and it was so much more fun and exciting. And I learned so much in the process and, you know, changed my mind half a dozen times mm-hmm. before we got to the final judging part. So. It was
3: challenging i have to say that's what's really yes. exciting too is that you know and both of us seeing the end results yeah. not knowing what all goes into how many submissions you have yep and to think how hard it was for some of our categories to just have five or eight yeah well <laughs> it's, it, it says, says a lot it says it about the quality
0: really... of the products that nominate which yeah i mean that's a great problem to have yeah. you know you have eight finalists and it takes us two and a half hours <laughs> to choose the winner and you know it's it's great it's fun. It's rewarding. It's heartbreaking sometimes
1: too. And you two were very persuasive. I have to say when either of you would talk, I'm like, oh wait, I just changed my mind. (laughs) Help me. So let's talk about that for a second. Your different perspectives on innovation. You come from very different retail backgrounds, but as Adrian noted, we saw so much alignment and kind of definitely once we got to those winners, there was alignment. It sometimes would take a while to get there, but what are your perspectives on innovation? What does it mean to each of you? So maybe Emily start with you.
2: Sure. Well, I think I mean innovation can mean a lot of different things. And as you were uh, talking, Jessica, I was thinking back to the session that my father and I actually did at Expo several years ago, called "Stand Out or Watch Out: How to Be Extraordinary in a Competitive Retail Environment," and that is really essential to our success as a small independent retailer. You know, with just two locations in the Boston area. We really need to have those exciting, new, unique products in our store in order to differentiate ourselves. So, you know, for us, it's what is the brand story? Who are the founders? You know, how did they come to making this product? Um, what are the key elements of that product that make it unique and interesting and differentiated on the shelf? What is the packaging like? And all of those things can be innovative in their own way. They can also be you know, innovative, as we were talking about earlier, in a, the sense of bringing around a tradition that has been in effect for a long, long time, but maybe hasn't been on the top of consumers' minds um, or, you know, taking sort of a, a category and just shifting it slightly to open up the conversation. Um, so I think it's, it's really just um, the innovation part is almost just that spark. If it lights something up, um, you know, you can really feel it. And I felt that in the room today when there was something innovative that everyone got a little bit more excited about it.
3: I completely agree. And to, to build on what you said, everything you said, I'm so on the same page. What um, I like to say is there's, there's some of my favorite products or products that as a retailer um, – you don't know where it goes exactly. And it's one of the biggest challenges we have. You want to put a product in a place that customers will find it, they think it should sit there. But some of my favorite products over years, like, oh, what category should this really be? What's the best fit? And those are some of the most exciting products. I think we saw a bit of that today. I think back to the Swiffer, for example, before I worked at the Kroger company, I worked for Basies, which was New Product Volume Forecasting. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was there when our time, of a Swiffer, like, where did, what is that, what is it? And then um, it's something that was innovative, you know, it's not a mop, where does it go, where does it sit? And I had heard that. I wasn't in the, this industry, retail industry then, but it was really challenging when I talked to people that were around them. Where does it go? People passed on it because it didn't seem like it was something interesting. Mm. And I share that because there's some brands that we saw today and brands that have been on the journey with of innovation that are truly different enough because it's meeting a different need state or it's more convenient. It's meeting a need of some capacity. And so I think a lot of times when um, generally people think about innovation, it might just be... Um, Really cool new flavor of the same thing, and then now it is practices, it's packaging, it's uh, the ease or convenience it brings. I think there's just, it's just innovation can mean truly anything as a retailer, as well as what are you doing, um, possibly even to draw attention to your brand differently. That's that could be innovative on top of a strong product. Mm-hmm. So, I think we could talk for hours about the different <laughs> avenues of what innovation could mean. And I do think it came to to life in in the next season in different ways.
0: And I was just thinking, too, as you were saying that, talking about where to put things in a store, you know, when Mm -hmm. a new product comes out. I mean, we've seen that so recently with the huge surge in (laughs) plant-based or um, meat and dairy analogs or, you know, what do we do with these products? And I know that that's been an ongoing discussion. Mm -hmm. I know Kroger's done a lot of studies about that, whether it's integrating those products or... Separating those products, I mean, that's been a huge struggle. So yeah. I think it's really interesting to see how that continues to play out in different stores and, and how it might happen with other, pro- I mean I don't know yeah. how you make those decisions. <laughs>
3: well, and to add to that, I didn't even I mentioned in-store, but we all have um, a strong online presence as well that's, that's so important. And so that's this other avenue of innovation is um, really interesting is you have a lot of DTC brands mm-hmm. and they have different platforms to communicate what they stand for, why they're innovative, how it's different, the value they add. And then they make a transition to retail. And mm-hmm. sometimes the package doesn't communicate any of that. they don't lie on a website, or um, they haven't thought about all the avenues to be through and that's just really important for innovation is, Sometimes this is great innovation as well that needs to tweak their initial launch to be more relevant across platforms. And that's something that's come up more recently, I think more in the past year or so, that I've seen a lot more DTC to decide to want to move to retail. Yeah,
1: that is, that's really interesting and leads to another question that we had around just consumers and what your consumers are asking for, what they're willing to give a try to, and, and telling that story. Companies have to tell the story and make sure, especially when they enter into this kind of new territory. So what does that look like for your shoppers? Are they willing to try new things now more than in the past?
2: I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're somewhat of a unique store and I think our shoppers are generally really excited about the new and interesting products. And, you know, in the last five or 10 years, that's shifted a lot as you know social media became the nexus so that was where customers were finding these new and unique products and then they were seeing them on our store shelves and they were really excited to pick them up and actually purchase them Um, so we've been able to you know have a lot of great Uh, relationships with these brands that may have been direct-to-consumer initially and then finally found their place on the retail shelves and then they can you know expand I just saw a brand that we've been working with for several months now Um, you know they were initially direct-to-consumer then they went to small retailers and then they just launched in a major um, grocery chain and I think it was because they gained traction in that sort of more organic way Mm -hmm. that they were able to do that effectively um, but yeah, you know, we're again, we're we're a store where people often come kind of seeking those um, new and exciting products. And I imagine it is much harder when you have a larger format grocery store to try and kind of um, highlight those products. And also, you know, when people are going to buy their favorites, like how do you get those brands to stand out? As you were speaking, I was just thinking about the. Sort of discovery element that we try mm-hmm. to do you know with like cross merchandising and putting things in places where you wouldn't expect them because that might be the way that a customer mm-hmm. first comes mm-hmm. upon a product so
3: that's such a great point and and to what you just said uh for the Kroger company we have different banners you're across the country and different types of stores so like for example in my world of natural and organic we've identified our top mm-hmm. natural organic stores and we know specific with Natural Organic, that might be a place that we would lean in first mm-hmm. because there may be more likely for a trial. But it is challenging to think about some great categories. I think about nut butters. Mm. You know, so you have, your, you have your, your big brands that have been around for many, many years and then you have many entries and it is, it is hard as um, sometimes we have to be something for everyone. We have customers <laughs> that want everything but it is really wonderful when you have a brand that has a really strong present somewhere, somewhere else, whether it's online or um, independent retailers, whatever it might be, but that they communicate well, because as you said, they can communicate well and then show that they're shopping in the in King Supers and, mm-hmm. and get the word out for us, versus just having to be in the store and to hope to find that diamond in the rough of mm-hmm. these great products that we're seeing.
0: So I keep hearing the same kind of idea expressed over and over again, which is that messaging, right? It feels like messaging that the brands do themselves on their label is really an important piece of explaining their innovation to um, consumers. Sounds like that, that, was that, is that right? Yeah, (laughs) I think it's so important that 360,
3: like you just said, you'll have brands that are like, and it's all on our website or... It's on the inside of a package. Right. We saw something today that's like really great messaging. You had to have purchased the package, opened it, and spent time if you hadn't have come across them online or happened to be told about them. And, and I think that's a, a challenge that we you know, we all need to work together mm-hmm. for retailers, <laughs> to the brands of getting the message out in, in all ways. Mm-hmm. Because if you're in a shelf, you have like three to five seconds, so many studies about just the package getting attention if you weren't seeking something. Yeah. And so uh, I think there's so many ways, the package plus, plus, plus of yeah. how you continue to tell the story. Yeah. And, I, you know, what's interesting is uh, I would say 10 years ago when someone mentioned demos, I'm like, really? Demos? <laughs> One story, you might see 30 people. And as I've progressed in, in my learning and have watched emerging brands in the like, in, in market, in a local product and doing demos, it's been so interesting to watch the, the trial and the repeat. So something like a demo and they always say get my people seem to try my product and love it. Yeah. And then like that's great. Yeah. So like how do we make that happen and I just believe in everything from in-store demos to yep. free trials can get attention.
2: Yeah, I think brands have to take a really multi-prong approach. And you know, I think a lot of brands have made the mistake, say, of like launching and getting a little bit of buzz and then doing a major launch in a national chain and then they're just not able to gain traction and then everything kind of flops. Or, you know, they they sort of pour their heart and soul for years into just working with indie retailers. And it's, you know, I am a huge proponent of independent retailers. And I know that working with us is like herding cats. You know, (laughs) it's, you know, working with one doesn't mean it's going to be the same as working with another. So I feel like brands and, you know, and then some brands have gone just solely direct to consumer. And I think that that was a a winning strategy for a while but now it is really oversaturated online and so i think they have to as much as possible take that multi-prong approach and sort of look at each um, venue as a way to connect to different types of consumers and to connect to consumers in different ways like you can tell your story really well online and you can um, you know do a lot of uh, social media marketing um, but it's not the same as getting the product into a customer's hands and having them just, you know, walk out of the store with it um, and then tell all their friends about it. And, you know, having access in a larger retailer is really important because, you know, again, small inde- independent retailers were in small pockets across the country, but it's not going to get you sort of the same volume you, that you need. So I think it really is that multi-pronged approach gotcha. that's so important.
1: Yeah, not a one-size-fits-all to how you talk about the innovations and that trial piece. Like, yeah, getting a consumer to try some ingredient they've never heard of. It feels so important to have the demos. But then when we're talking about the evolution of innovation, which is really like innovative business models Mm -hmm. and that piece that Mm -hmm. needs, like, how do you articulate that? It's really hard. But as you noted, Adrian, we saw such great examples of that today of really talking about the impact and the power of the company and the thinking behind those business models. So very cool. We saw lots of great stuff today. We saw lots of interesting things (laughs) today. I love those eyebrow-raising moments of the nexties. Do you have one of those that you can share?
2: Eyebrow-raising in a good way? (laughs) (laughs) either. There were a couple moments that I had when I thought, you know, I tried a product and I thought, this just isn't quite ready yet, you know, um, and and that's always hard because, you know, a brand has poured so much heart and soul into creating a product. Um, and then there were moments when I tried something and I wasn't expecting to be blown away. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so delicious or, you know, or so interesting and unique. Um, Again, it is a really crowded marketplace, and um, we were talking today about organic and how organic has kind of fallen off the radar of a lot of consumers, Um, and so I was actually really excited to see some of these brands putting organic and regenerative organic at the forefront of what they were doing, and I think it's so important for brands to continue to elevate that conversation. I think that's
3: so great. I am reflecting back about anything that was...
2: (laughs) Um, it was such a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, it was so Wonderful. Um, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, so much. No, I, it's a good problem
0: to but, have. I mean, yeah. how do you how do you choose?
3: So I, you know, I was thinking back because I think I got really excited about something you got excited about, Adrian. and it was something that was it's not mind blowing. It's been around mm-hmm. for a while in a different form, and we both got excited about yeah. the form because I thought the the mm-hmm. form change was it. Excuse me, way more accessible, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I'm literally someone who had purchased this product in the past in a different form on the shelf and thought, wow, I would use this new form. I know it's right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for so many reasons. So I think that was exciting to me as that part of innovation, which another la- layer to the innovation mm-hmm. was a format change mm-hmm. that stood out to me. And, and I- making consumers make it more accessible yeah. to yeah. consumers in that way. You know? I think that's really huge for a lot of innovation, yeah. actually. And
2: yeah. that, to me, was kind of a very classic example, that particular product we're thinking of, where I think it, probably has sold very well in like small independent retailers in the in the format that it has existed in for a long time yeah. but in order to position itself in a Kroger in you know a national retailer I think that format change is absolutely key. Mm-hmm. Yeah
3: so. and I think that's what was so fun going yeah. back to what we said before about we're all from different places and you're kind and of, you said when, when we spoke it might change your mind but I felt literally every time Someone spoke. It was value added and the consideration and the reminder of there's so many things worth looking at and thinking of. And it's 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 innovation, integrity, inspiration, um, inspiration <laughs> impact, <laughs> as well. I mean, all these factors and in, in all of our avenues of where we're coming in, uh, playing in. And so that was one reason I thought like it was so fun. Every time someone spoke, I'm like, oh, that's such a great thing. <laughs> and I, there was one category I know we're all thinking of like, how long did it take us to pick? Because every time we spoke, when I mean, we raise our hands for different ideas about yeah. who really should be um, the winner of that category, and I thought that was, I honestly thought that was exciting. And um,
1: I love what you said. I really love what you said. Though coming back to that piece about innovation as a tool to increase accessibility of Mm. products and scale. And that's definitely a theme that we're seeing a lot more of how are companies using these innovative approaches to make the products more available to more people. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a, a really kind of beautiful theme and also yes we could talk about all of these things <laughs> <laughs> to the grocery
3: store with me oh too <laughs> we love i mean i could spend 7 hours in a store yeah <laughs> really, really
1: people in the street yeah yeah <laughs> I guess one question. One. I have one final question. I'm sure you have one final question. Normally, I lie and I say one final question. But that ends up being like five. I'll <laughs> try to keep it to this. Was there anything that you didn't see that you hope to see more of in the future, and mm-hmm. any ways that companies can use innovation as a force for good that you are not seeing a ton of in the marketplace now?
3: Good it's a big question. <laughs> yeah. oh, what's that one? Um, you, you know, I have to say one of the uh, there's all the categories are meaningful in the next season mm-hmm. and, and I have to say something that stands out to, to me with innovation, like we're saying, whether it's practices that are brought forward, um, I, we have learned through our customers telling us, as well as what people buy, through all sorts of data sources, internal, external, and Kruger, that uh, generational, di- generational differences of what's important mm-hmm. to them as they move forward is there are more people looking for that background story that not only is this product... Does it taste good? Mm-hmm. Is it a value? Is it better for me? So there's some, some added benefit or a functional benefit. But what about this company? What are mm-hmm. they doing? There's the you know I'm a root for the underdog type and um, saying that you know it's sports all the time, it's my my teams. Um, <laughs> but that idea of this emerging brand is here in a category where there's been players for many many years. What are they bring to the table? And a lot of it is either the better for me, or the environment, or people. Mm-hmm. And saying all that, I was a little underwhelmed um, with the number of submissions for the a people forward idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just say like I thought there was more of it, and I thought I'd recognize more in the past. And. Um, I think it's very meaningful to mm-hmm. people and, and maybe even a different different generations of mm-hmm. shoppers coming into the market. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just something that on top of you you can't sacrifice taste and, and a good price on things, but more for the, the people and giving back and the, the brand standing for something additional yep. beyond the actual category product benefit a little bit um, I would like to see even
2: more of that. Yeah.
0: Something I wish, um, and, and then I'll come back to you. I'm cause I think I, I think I took the, the, took the words out of your mouth. No. But something <laughs> I, I, um, think that people might miss on that people forward element is it's not just about what you do externally. As a right. Company, it's what you do internally. So it's also your practices within your own company. What do you do for your employees? How do you treat the people that work for you? What yeah. do you do to make their lives better yeah. and make your own life better? And I um, I find it really inspiring. We get a lot of stories of, um, or more and more stories of employee-owned companies. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's just really interesting. So I don't think it's always outward facing yeah. either. I like yep. to see companies that are really standing up for their working conditions and the people that they hire yeah. and the people that are on their teams. And I think that that is really the way, that, the way forward in terms of, you know, innovative and regenerative mm-hmm. business practices. Yeah,
2: I agree. Mean that, That's a big element of it. So, yeah. At- no, no, you, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad you said that. And I think, you know, we as a company, and we're certainly not perfect. We have lots of, of um, work to do internally, but we have uh, taken the approach that we're a business that focuses on health and wellness. Mm-hmm. We need to have our team healthy and well. We have to walk the walk. We have to talk the talk. Um, and I think that that's so important that brands do that as well. I mean, if the last few years have taught us anything, it's that you know anything that's kind of hidden under the surface is probably going to come to light at some point. Yeah. If you're not treating your people well and you're trying to sell a product, you know, based around health and wellness, it's going to come out. Um, and so I think that it is really important for brands to kind of put that forward what they are doing, and that is innovation too. Mm-hmm. You know, the way um, the ways in which. These brands treat their employees the way that they treat their suppliers, um, and and everything you know baked into their practices. So, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you, thank you both so much for being here. We had so much fun um, judging with you today. So excited! It's it's really been great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was so much fun. Thank
2: you.
1: It's time for the list this is the natural list in every podcast episode we're going to highlight the products ideas trends that are shaping the CPG industry or that we just really like yeah should we
0: get started let's do it yeah we've got some fun ones today so should I kick it off yes AJ um so some of these products we've taken from the nexty words I know talking about the nexties again Um. But this product is really great. It's The product is fantastic. The brand is fantastic. So it's the Renewal Mill Upcycled Chai Oat Muffin Mix. Um, Renewal Mill, of course, has been a huge pioneer in the upcycled food movement. I know they were a founding member of the Upcycled Food Association. But even before that, not only have they focused their entire business model on upcycling products that typically would have gone to waste. So things like Okara from Tofu Production. Um, Now we have Oat from Oat Milk Production. So all kinds of different products. They also um, not only package those in their own products, but they also have made those products available for other brands to use. And then in this latest line, they're really partnering with a lot of other brands. So for this product, they partner with Just Date, who makes Date Syrup. And they have this fantastic, again, upcycled oat product. It makes these great muffins sweetened with dates. And I just think that there's so much to be said for this brand that not only, you know, is collaborating, uplifting other women-owned brands, other brands that have a similar mission. They're also just kind of doing what they can to really help help get rid of the food waste problem.
1: I love what they're doing. Great first company product on the natural list and really upcycling and partnerships are Mm -hmm. two of the big themes that we'll see in the coming year, I think, when it comes to innovative business models. So Renewal Mill, great example of that.
0: And the first product on our first natural list
1: ever. That's exciting. Just savor this moment for a second. Okay. Now, how could we not talk about Jenka plant-based calamari? I mean, how could we not talk about a plant-based calamari when it comes to innovation? One of the things I love is every Nexties,
0: I say a sentence that I never thought in my entire life I would say. And this Nexties, it was, I love this plant-based calamari. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I think everyone said that because it was that good. The ingredient list was really clean. It had a lot of protein, a lot of fiber. It used a range of plant ingredients, including
0: pea protein and Uh, mountain yam powder, which I'd never seen before. Yeah.
1: So really leaning into whole real food ingredients in this product and just really represented. Yeah, there was a white space there and they filled it. But the bigger picture is that they're using their product, their company. They started with tuna, I believe and then expanded into other seafood categories that are majorly sustainability challenged. And so the fact that they said, actually, this can be done. We can create a really delicious, really convincing plant-based calamari is so cool. And that's just pure innovation right there. Absolutely. And I think um, plant-based
0: alternative, uh, alternatives to seafood is really one of the big themes that we're seeing, especially in the, the meat and I guess seafood alt category, it's really growing. So we had another brand called Conscious. Conscious is a brand out of Canada, and they had three products in the nexties. They had this fabulous poke bowl, um, but it was with plant-based tuna that was incredibly flavorful. These are all frozen products. They also had an onigiri with um, like a little, you know, imagine a rice triangle with kale on the inside and some. Oh, chia seeds, sesame seeds, and a California roll, which I know you really liked.
1: Oh, I, lo- I mean, I was such a fan of, of all the products of theirs that I tried. And again, really listening to consumers. What do plant-based vegan consumers want that they're not getting? And this represented, you know, all that and then some delicious.
0: Yeah. And the products were also, you know, they did have that um, integrity. They were, they're all non-GMO project verified. And then I really love how they're really leaning into that trend in the frozen aisle. I mean, think about the frozen aisle was so boring for so long. Oh, it's come a long it's- way. Come a long way. So all these great global flavors, globally inspired products, lots of products for special diets. Or I don't even think we call plant-based diet a special diet anymore. Um, so products for vegans, products for people that don't want to eat meat, wanted something a little more spicy
1: spicier, fun in their diet. I like the little shimmy. You know, the people can't see that. So just in case you you're wondering, Adrian, I could see it. That's <laughs> what counts. Shimmy. Yeah. And the, the second and third on our natural list, I think, really show that you can disrupt an entire category. We didn't talk yeah. much about disruption, but I do just want to give a nod to these companies that are doing something that's so original that they're really shaking up an entire category. And I know that's something that Emily and Holly were both looking for. What is truly unique.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, the the last product on the natural list. I think we both really loved um, because it's really embracing that kind of innovative, regenerative business model. That innovation in terms of the way that they do business and, and why they're doing business. So that's um, Hey Lala La Vanilla. This is a vanilla company from Tonga in the South Pacific. They started in 2002 after a horribly devastating cyclone. And they kind of founded this vanilla, well, kind of founded, they founded this vanilla company in order to provide employment to people on the island. So um, I think they employ 200 people now, mostly women. Um, it's a certified B Corp. They also have this great process where they use the entire vanilla bean, which I didn't know was not used in typical vanilla production. And um, just a really great um Inspirational and innovative business
1: model there. And the fact that their entire company was founded to solve a problem, yeah, address so a need. Cool. So cool. Okay, we have one more spot on the natural list. Do you want to know who made the cut? I would like to know actually. Please. <laughs> well, this Please one's a little me. bit a little bit different this time. I love so this, this one. is not a product, but it is a really exciting and important initiative that's focused on addressing food insecurity. When I talked to the team behind Nutrition Capital Network, which is the investment part of the New Hope Network business, so that looks at where investors are putting their resources, who's getting funding now, connecting investors and brands and different companies. And one of the things that they called out when it comes to innovation is innovations that are really geared towards increasing the accessibility of wellness products and just kind of bringing more health to more people overall. So Shipt is an e-commerce. It's a
0: grocery delivery platform, I think.
1: Yeah, and it's partnering with small local businesses and it's doing this through an accelerator program. Now this accelerator is geared towards local retailers in particular. So I love seeing them focus on and how do they partner with small local resources they're providing capital e-commerce focused tech assistance and education and all of that is is meant to enable small retailers to thrive and get their products to more people we know those are some of the shortcomings of the retailers that we work with how do they really yeah. implement these effective e-commerce strategies and shift is prioritizing minority owned businesses and at least half of the retailers that they work with will be in the food and beverage and grocery categories. So I just think that's such a game changer.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I really think that's going to play. I mean, online shipping, um, delivery, online shopping and delivery really plays an important part in food access and underserved communities. So I think that that's just such a great initiative.
1: Yeah. And and so that's, I think, how we want to end yeah. the nat- wrap the naturalist yeah, today. Thank
0: you for listening to The Naturalist. See you next time. Want to be on the natural list? Send us an email at thenaturalist at newhope.com.